Hey, today is a really special podcast. Um, we not only tell you all about um, what it, what Washington is doing with their brilliant, brilliant inflation reduction bill, which used to be called the Build Back Better bill. I mean, how many times is that stupid thing going to work where they just change the name and move the chairs around? Um, but anyway, we tell you all about that. Inflation is so important. We talk also to Riley Moore. He is the treasurer of West Virginia, leading the charge against ESG. He made a special exclusive announcement on the program today, named names on the banks. Um, but also, we start with um, an expose on CNN. It is something that you really don't want to miss. Um, there's been a story that has been trending about white Christian nationalist churches. And you might think CNN is just talking about some, you know, offshoot, some weirdo church that we should know about. No, no, no. They claim that's all Christian churches that don't say, hey, the more the merrier with abortions. And we're going to marry this man who thinks he's a frog to another man who thinks he's a woman. If you don't if you don't believe me, uh, just listen. And it was an epic takedown. It's part one. I did my research on this. I wanted to make sure we had all of the facts, the truth about American uh, uh, religion, American Christianity, and the history of our country. Epic takedown on today's podcast. Brought to you by Goldline. Um, Goldline would remind you, have you seen the inflation numbers? Have you seen the stores in Germany? The grocery stores look like East Germany did. If you're my age, you understand that reference. If you don't understand it, look it up. Inflation is bad and things are going to get worse. So when your dollar is being devalued, what can you do to save your money? What can you do to protect it? Well, one thing that is a hedge against inflation has always been gold line. It's diversifying. Goldline has a special, I think this is really crazy, um, with every box of 500 of their new silver one-ounce Benjamin Franklin rounds, these are silver coins, you'll receive the quarter-ounce gold version of the same thing for free. Goldline, call them right now, 866-GOLDLINE, 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Here's the podcast. So we're debunking the CNN article that America has a real problem because Christianity, all the churches have been taken hostage and now they're white nationalist Christian churches. So they have gone on to identify the three key beliefs associated with white Christian nationalists. The first one is a belief the United States was founded as a Christian nation. Okay, so we uh, we told you about this and then the separation of church and state. We showed you what was being passed. Uh, but I want to get real quickly here to what separation of church and state actually means. Okay, we have to go to Thomas Jefferson because he's the only one that said this. It was Jefferson's firm position that the federal government had no authority to interfere with, limit, regulate or prohibit public religious expressions a position he stated on many occasions like this, quote, no power over the freedom of religion is delegated to the United States by the Constitution, First Amendment. 
In the matter of religion, I have considered, considered that its free exercise is placed by the Constitution independent of the powers of the federal government. Quote, our excellent Constitution has not placed our religious rights under the power of any public functionary. Now, none of these statements or other statements by Jefferson contain even the slightest hint that religion should be isolated or removed from public square or that the public square should be secularized. Rather, that the government could not limit or regulate any religious expressions. So now, let's understand the concern here. Jefferson wrote about the uh, separation of church and state. To people of faith who are saying, I don't trust this government. I don't trust. We, they will find a way to stop us. Jefferson replied to them January 1st, 1802, assuring them that they had nothing to fear. Quote, the government would not meddle with your religious expression, whether it occurs in public or private. Quoting, I contemplate with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people, which declared in the First Amendment that their legislature should, quote, make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. So he was using that as a metaphor, saying, don't worry about it. They're not going to touch religion because they're not able to touch religion. It is beyond their reach. The exact opposite of what the Yale professor, who is neither a theologian or a historian, is saying in this lovely CNN article. Let me move on. There's more, but you'll get it in our newsletter. <sighs> well, I got to take a breath. I mean, I really hate completely blowing up CNN's first key belief of white Christian nationalists right at the beginning. But, you know, maybe they're just ignorant or they're being completely dishonest. You'll have to figure out. The article and ignorance goes on. One of the most popular beliefs, writes CNN, among white Christian nationalists is that the U.S. was founded as a Christian nation. The founding fathers were all orthodox, evangelical Christians, and that God has chosen the U.S. for a special role in history. But the notion that the U.S. was founded as a Christian nation is bad history and bad theology, says Philip Gorsky, the sociologist who is neither, again, a theologian or a historian. But he is the co-author of The Flag and the Cross, White Christian Nationalism and the Threat to American Democracy. So it makes him authority on his opinion. He says it's a half-truth, a mythological version of American history. So saith the Yale sociology professor. Amen. Well, since I didn't get any real historians to comment for this article, let me give you some very well-documented footnotes and quotes that are actually historically accurate. On literally hundreds of occasions in the past two centuries, state and federal courts have routinely declared America as a Christian nation. For starters... In a unanimous decision in 1844, the U.S. Supreme Court confirmed America as, quote, a Christian country. 1892, Supreme Court did it again, delivered a unanimous ruling declaring America is, quote, a Christian nation. In 1931, Supreme Court reaffirmed the same position for a third time, stating we are, quote, a Christian people. 
Now, I know you have no respect for the Supreme Court unless it agrees with you, but that's what the Supreme Court has said. But maybe we can go for some presidents because presidents have all made comments on this, including John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, John Quincy Adams, John Taylor, Zachary Taylor, James Buchanan, Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, William McKinley, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Dwight Eisenhower, uh, Richard Nixon. Hey, here's one from Lyndon Baines Johnson that you'll like if you're a progressive. In these last 200 years, we have guided the building of our nation and our society by those principles and precepts brought to earth nearly 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas. Oh, and then, if I may quote, America was born as a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness, which are derived from the revelations of Holy Scripture. Who said that? Oh, it gives me great joy to say Woodrow frickin' Wilson, your God on the left. But let's go back even further in our history. 1606, Virginia Charter declared the colony was started for the propagation of Christian religion to such people as yet live in ignorance of the true knowledge and worship of God and Jesus Christ. Mayor, uh, the Mayflower, Mayflower Compact of 1620 declared their endeavor was undertaken for the glory of God and advancement of the Christian faith. 1629, Charter of Massachusetts Bay Colony declared that winning the country to the knowledge and obedience of the only one true God and Savior of mankind in the Christian faith is the principal end of this plantation or colony. 1639. Do I need to go on? I mean, I, I can do this all day long. Get it in the uh, newsletter. Okay. Let me, let me just give you one more. Supreme Court Justice Earl Warren. I believe no one can read history of our country without realizing the good book and the spirit of the Savior have from the beginning been our guiding geniuses. Whether we look at the first charter of Virginia or the charter of New England or the charter of Massachusetts Bay, the fundamental order of Connecticut, same objective is present. A Christian land governed by Christian principles. Congress has also said 1852, 1853, when a group sought to complete secularization of the public square, House Judiciary Committee. Had the people during the revolution had a suspicion of any attempt to war against Christianity, that revolution would have been strangled in its cradle. At the time of the adoption of the Constitution and the amendments and the universal sentiment that it was Christianity that should be uh, encouraged, not any one sect or denomination. In this age, there can be no substitute for Christianity. The Judiciary Committee, we are Christians, not because the law demands it, not to gain exclusive benefits or to avoid legal disabilities, but from choice and education. And this in a land is thus universally Christian, which uh, is what to be is what is expected, what is desired and what we shall pay due regard to Christianity. Uh, House of Representatives said the same thing. Now, they immediately on CNN counter with, yeah, (laughs) but you really don't need to go any further. I mean, none of virtually, I'm quoting, virtually none of the founding fathers could be classified as evangelical Christians. Really? 
John Adams, signer of the Declaration of Independence. The Holy Ghost carries with it the whole Christian system in this earth. Not a baptism, not a marriage, not a sacrament can be administered, but by through the Holy Ghost and the authority religious, blah, blah, blah. Samuel Adams, I reply, I rely upon the merits of Jesus Christ for a pardon of all my sins. I conceive I can, we cannot better express ourselves than by humbly supplicating the supreme ruler of the world and promoting the speedy bringing up of the holy and happy period when the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ make. Do I need to go on? Joshua Bartlett, signer of the Declaration of Independence. I confess before God our grave transgressions and implore his pardon and forgiveness through the merits and meditation of Jesus Christ. Gunning Bedford, signer of the uh, the Constitution. Uh, to the tribune of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, be ascribed all honor and dominion forevermore. Amen. Carl, uh, Charles Carroll, signer of the Declaration. On the mercy of my Redeemer, uh, I rely for salvation and on his merits, not the works I have done. I hope that through and by merit, sufferings, and meditation of my only Savior and Jesus Christ, I may be admitted to the kingdom, blah, blah, blah. How about Alexander Hamilton? If I wrap it, maybe you'll hear it. I have a tender reliance on the mercy of the Almighty through the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hamilton also recommended the formation of what he titled the Christian Constitutional Society and listed two goals for its foundation. First... The support of the Christian religion and second support of the Constitution. John Hancock. Hancock called on the state of Massachusetts to pray that all nations may bow down to the scepter of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. John Hart, signer of the Declaration. I give and recommend my soul to the hands of the Almighty God who gave me my body uh, to be here in the earth, to be buried in a decent and Christian-like manner. Patrick Henry, Henry, being a Christian, is a character which I prize far above all this world has or can boast samuel huntington signer of the declaration it becomes a people publicly to supplicate the pardon that we must obtain forgiveness through the merits and meditation of our lord savior jesus christ james madison you know the guy who wrote the constitution and the signer of the uh, of the constitution a watchful eye must be kept uh, on ourselves lest while we are building ideal monuments of renown and bliss here we might neglect to have our names enrolled in the annals of heaven robert payne signer of the Decl- do i need to go on cuz i have uh, like 12 more you know what get them in the nine pages of footnotes that you can look up yourself but the article goes on at cnn for evidence that the united states was founded as a secular nation look no further than the 1797 treaty of tripoli as an agreement the u.s negotiated with a country in present-day libya to end the practice of pirates attacking american ships and it was ratified unanimously by a senate still half filled with the signers of the constitution that declared the government of the united states of america is not in any sense founded on a christian religion now i want you to notice that little gotcha quote because it is a little quote in fact it has a period where there is no period now is this seriously the only thing cnn has that they can say separation of church and state, which is absolutely the opposite of what they say it is. And then this one. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you've seen how people talk back those days. The Gettysburg Address was very short compared to how they spoke in George Washington times. They went on and on and on. It's like, OK, I got it. You don't have a television. So what's with the short sentence? 
Do you think maybe CNN could have pulled this out of context? No. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Uh, I want to switch topics here, and I I want to give the uh, give some time to Ami Horowitz, who is a good friend of ours. He is a filmmaker and uh, a documentarian. Um, I think he started with The Blaze years ago, um, and. I I don't know. Whoever was running the blaze at the time was an idiot. Me uh, and uh, and allowed him to get away from us. Now he's over at Prager University, and I am so I'm a big fan of Dennis Prager, one of the best men uh, alive today. And what he's done at Prager University is fantastic. And this particular film that uh, Ami has made is so important, and it starts on the streets of New York. And he's talking to progressives who are going to a Palestinian fundraiser. At least I, I think that's what it was. I'll get it from Ami. Hello, Ami. How are you? I'm doing very well, Glenn. Such a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. This is, by the way, great film. Great film. Watched Thank it this morning. Um, so the um, it starts out with the uh, talking to liberals and progressives in New York City that are also gay, correct? Yeah, actually, it's, it's San Francisco. Um, oh, San and Francisco. They, are, they are, we specifically stopped gay people because, and the, and the reason and we did it because there is a, this bizarre alliance between the gay community and the Palestinians, which on the surface makes no sense, right? Because they hold nothing in common value-wise. And so we asked them, we started by asking them, hey, who do you support in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? And every single person, to a man, said vocally, vehemently, we support the Palestinians, we hate Israel. That's how it begins. It was quite amazing to see how strong they were uh, on that. Then you go over to, to Palestinian territory, and you start talking to the Palestinians, and the first thing you first person you talk to is an imam. Tell me about that. Yeah, this is a, a, a very popular imam in Ramallah, a very influential imam in Ramallah. And, you know, I asked him a variety of questions about gay people, as you can imagine, most of the answers, but the most shocking answer, even for me, I, I, as you can imagine, I, I, I don't get shocked that often when I do these things. I've done them for a long time. And I, I asked this one imam, I go, look, have you ever had a parishioner or somebody who, who, who prays in your mosque come up to you quietly on the DL and say, look, you know, I've got a gay son, gay daughter. What should I do? And he looks at me and goes, yes. I go, well, what did you do? They should be killed. Just, just like that. That gives you a sense of the positions of, of the Palestinians uh, and, uh, vis-a-vis gay people. And you can, you can agree, disagree with, in, in, in the U.S. with gay marriage. It doesn't matter. We're talking about a different level. Of, of hatred, yes. true hatred of the gay community to the point where rape, murder, beatings are commonplace. They jail them, they rape them. It's commonplace in the Palestinian territories. It's a whole different level of evil that we're dealing with. So, you know, because I, I was so glad to see that you didn't listen to the producer's advice. Um, because you finish this interview and then you go out to do man on the street 
and you've done men on the street everywhere uh, all over the world and you come back with what people really are saying on the street and tell me what the producer said to you so and this is like this is shocking for me because as, as 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 i'm sure some of your listeners have seen my videos i've gone to crazy places i've interviewed crazy people then crazy man the streets it's the first time a producer goes look this issue is a very volatile issue volatile than even issues you normally cover with and and it could degrade into violence if they understand what you're trying to do here and uh it was already at the time kind of a dice situation between israel and the palestinians it was in general not a great time but in this particular issue he really said listen you shouldn't you, we shouldn't do this but of course i did it anyways and again it was like it's a what i like about man in the street is it does give you a taste especially if you do a wide enough sample size of how people feel on a particular topic, whatever that particular group of people you're interviewing could be university students. It could be leftists, um, could be gay people. In this case, uh, it was regular Palestinians on the street. And, and, and again, the, I want to make sure that I, that I clarify here. You didn't cherry pick. You just did random people and you didn't leave people on the editing floor just to make it look different no i i never ever ever do that if 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 it's not no be absolutely not and this is and this certainly was not the case okay. the only time somebody ends up on the editing floor if there's a problem with the sound they weren't clear they weren't particularly interesting but when you see any video of mine particularly this one you know that this really is the pulse of that community that i'm talking to the pulse the feelings of the people that we're talking to and, and now the, I, I want to play I want to play a little bit of this video, but it is in Arabic. So I'm just going to read the uh, the subtitles here. I'll tell you what they're saying. Go ahead and roll the uh, video if we have it. One of the great human rights paradoxes is the LGBTQ support for Palestinians in the conflict with Israel. I went to the Castro district in San Francisco to ask gay men and women about their views on the conflict. Do you tend to side more of one side versus the other? Palestine. We are here to support the Palestinians and give them a right to freedom and the right to self-sovereignty. You know, my ex-wife and I talked about it a lot, and that's quite frankly how I learned more about it, but it was really about, like, Israel for being such bullies. I feel uncomfortable being a gay person in Israel. Just when I was visiting, was, I was worried. <laughs> like About what? Being attacked or something. Do you think most people, most gay people, tend to side more, especially younger people, tend to side more with the Palestinians versus the Israelis in general on the conflict? Um, I would say yes, 100%. I'm Ami Horowitz. In the Palestinian territories, there's not much of a debate on gay marriage. Here the discussion is more about the killing and the torturing of members of the LGBT community. Now, the comments you are about to hear are representative of the feelings of the vast majority of people that we came across that day. Now, they're saying gays are the source of the problem for the entire world. They're causing a lot of problems. They're destroying our society. Yeah, they cause problems. It's unacceptable, morally and societally. They are a disease. Anywhere they're found, there is a weakness. They are weakness for the entire world. Stop. It is, these people you can tell, Ami, are not saying this to be outrageous. They're not engaging in hyperbole. This is a very calm, cool, and collected belief. Yeah, they're a disease. 
I mean, the the do I, I look? You're a you're a historian. You're a historian. You're a history scholar. Certainly a scholar of the rise of fascism and the rise of Hitler. These echoes the same language that Hitler and the Nazis used when it came to the Jews. Yes. Very, very, very strikingly similar language and words. So you you have shown this to people now uh, back here in America, gay progressives. And what do they say? So it's very interesting. So the question becomes why? Right. Why do. The, why does the gay, why progressives in general, but the gay community in particular, tend to side with the Palestinians when they have nothing value-wise in common? But there is actually one value they do hold in common, and this is the problem, not just with the gay community, but frankly, I would argue with a lot of minority communities around the world, is that they share, look, they share victimhood. They both feel like victims. And it shows you the power of that emotion, which I think victimhood to me is one of the most powerful and corrosive human emotions that exist. Because now you're able to say all of my problems are my problems. They're your problems. Your, your, my failure, my issues are because of you, not because of me. They share that sense of victimhood. And oddly enough, bizarrely enough, that bond is stronger than what their core values of human Correct. rights, gay rights, women's rights. It's so bizarre. And, and Israel has taken the wrong approach and how to, because Israel has been vexed by this problem for years. Why could it, how could it be that the gay community doesn't support us in whole? And they always gone positive and say, look how good we are to the gay community. And the gays, the, they've actually, they turned that argument against Israel and they've weaponized it against Israel. They create this, this insidiously powerful term called pinkwashing, where they're saying you're washing your mm-hmm. sins of the Palestinians with our gayness. It's incredible how this thing is metastasized. So the, the approach I took was the, to go negative, to say, look, the people you're supporting, this is what they think about you. This is what they're doing to you. And, and what was incredible was in this video at the end, we did something we normally don't do. The, the people we interviewed at the beginning, we brought them back at the end. And we said, hey, what, it, the, the video becomes a reaction video, and they're watching the video in real time, and we're filming it, and their reactions are visceral. They can't believe what they're watching, how these people are speaking about them. And at the end, I said, how do you feel now about the conflict? They said, we've changed our mind. We have totally changed our mind. And frankly, this has been getting, look, we're, we're at, we're, 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 this, this video is getting um, traction in the gay community. Uh, we've got a big piece that's going to be coming out uh, uh, soon in, in one of the largest gay publications in the country. And, and this, we did an hour and a half interview with, with this guy, mm. progressive. And he said, I, I, it blew me away. I couldn't believe what I was watching. So, and, and this is the good I, news. I, the good news is, Glenn, we can win all of these arguments if we're just able to get our viewpoints across to them. That's why they're trying to shut all of us up. Because once we, it's, it's like I did today on religion and the true history of America and the, against the CNN article. Um, you know, I, I document exactly the opposite of what the, they are claiming. And once you have the facts, once you really know and you can verify things and you see firsthand, it changes. Uh, and I, I contend, just like CNN, you're watching CNN. You have no idea about what's really going on with Hunter Biden. But if they allowed that to be seen, people will change on the Hunter Biden thing. Same thing with you. 
That's why they work so hard to shut us down. It's not that we're extremist. It's that we're effective because the truth shall set you free. And that's the beauty of where we are technologically now, that we're not beholden to the networks or even cable anymore. Now we have the blaze creating an independent organization that could be accessed by anyone, anywhere, Prager U or, 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 or Daily Wire or all these individuals who are out there doing their thing. It's democratized the media in a large way. And yep. that's really what I think is going to save yep. us is, in, is, is, is the independence of our thought now being unleashed from, uh, from linear television and from the newspapers. Yep. Ami Horowitz, great, great job on this. Um, you can find the entire thing on uh, PragerU.com, PragerU.com. It is well worth your time. I, I watched it at twice the speed. Uh, <laughs> You should probably spend a little more time with it, um, but it is very effective and not shocking to you. But I promise you will be shocking to any liberal, uh, any progressive and especially the progressive uh, homosexual. They have absolutely no idea what what the Palestinians actually think of them. You can find it now at PragerU.com. Thanks, Ami. Talk again. Thank you, Glenn. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the Glenn Beck program to Riley Moore. He is West Virginia's 25th state treasurer, was elected in 2020. uh, And um, he's one of the first guys to really buckle down and find a way to try to stop ESG, and I got a very excited note uh, from uh, one of his uh, compadres that said he really wants to come on and make a uh, uh, and make an announcement on the show about the banking institutions that the state of West Virginia are no longer going to be doing uh, business with, and uh, so here he is, and we are thrilled to have him. How are you, sir? Glenn, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me back. So you have been working, and I know other AGs around the country are working with you on their own states, but you're the first to now start to make a list of people you're not doing business with. And it, it, last time you were on the show, maybe a month or so ago, you said that you were uh, making a list and you were writing all of the banks that were involved in ESG and putting them on notice and giving them time to respond. So who responded and what happened? So what we did was take kind of a scope down approach to this for our first take on this. And this was we wanted to deal with what is our existential threats, our near term threats that we're dealing with to our tax dollars. And so we sent letters out to financial institutions that I'm either authorized to do business with or I'm currently doing business with. We sent letters to J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, BlackRock, Morgan Stanley, and U.S. Bank. And they all answered. Uh, They all answered back. Now, the great news here that I really want to highlight is we put, of those six, five on the list because U.S. Bank changed their policy to no longer boycott lending to the fossil fuel industry, which is a huge deal. 
Fantastic. They they were doing ESG. And so they've are they dropping all of the S and the G or are they just dropping the E? Do you know? For right now, what I know is that they're dropping the E. And as a great president once said, we are going to trust, but we're going to verify the actions that they're taking moving forward. Now, to be clear, U.S. Bank uh, has a very large contract with the state of West Virginia, which I think helped pressurize Mm. that situation uh, where they have an ACH contract with us. Uh, that's about $20 billion in transactions a year. So we are certainly going to keep a close eye on it. But the rest of those folks, BlackRock, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, they are all on the list. And the list is what we call the restricted financial institution list. They are barred from bidding on all contracts in the state of West Virginia, from universities to the Department of Health and Human Resources. All of it. No contracts with state government, period, unless they change. How much money are you talking about that they could lose? Well, What's I'll that give you an example. Like? Yeah, just with J.P. Morgan Chase, they're currently at about $42.6 million in business with us. But they're losing an opportunity because we contract out everything. billion worth of business every year, which they can compete on since all the services are contracted out. They're going to lose the ability to contract on any of those dollars now. Wow. Um, And now you haven't, have you, or have you not started to look at the, the actual funds, your, um, your retirement funds, et cetera, et cetera, the investments. Yeah. Oh, yes. That is the next step in this process. For us, we had to do something as it related to our tax dollars being weaponized against us because we were handing money over to financial institutions where the tax dollars generated from the fossil fuel industry are being turned around trying to destroy our industry. So the next yes. step in this process is looking at the pension funds. We want to do proxy voting. We want to certainly look to where we can get into other asset managers. This is just, this is battle one in a long war. So tell the listener why proxy voting is so important. You have all of this investment and it goes out and you're now saying we keep the proxy votes. Why is that important? Oh, it, it, gives us back our voice in our vote. You got to understand for your audience is that when we contract, uh, for instance, with say like a BlackRock or whoever it is for your pension fund in the contract, it's written in that they get the proxy votes and they control those proxy votes. We don't want that anymore. They're voting against our interests with our own money. And States across America are looking at trying to reclaim their voice and vote and push back against this nonsense that's been going on here in this country. I, I have heard, because um, I, I know a lot of people that are currently talking to some of these industry leaders, and they say, yeah, privately, we're pretty much being held hostage. You know, companies, and not necessarily Exxon, but companies like Exxon, which is the best example 
of those proxy votes being held by BlackRock, they have enough um, uh, weight to them now because they have so many pension funds that they went in to Exxon and said, you're replacing your two uh, board members with two of our board members and their greenies. And they went from uh, a plan of, I think, 20 percent expansion on oil to a reduction of 20 percent just because of that proxy vote. Uh, and I, I, I think, uh, go ahead. Uh, exactly. And what people need to remember right now, the situation that we're in as it relates to energy prices, food prices, they have created this in part due to this coercive capitalism that is going on where they're moving money away from oil exploration, from gas exploration, from coal mining. That's why energy is costs are up 14%, which is really driving that CPI number of 9.1% inflation. That is the main driver in all this. They have created this crisis, and we're all paying for it. Hmm. So let me ask you just a couple more things. I'm sure they're not happy about this. Is anybody threatening litigation? Is, are you expecting anybody any blowback to your state? Um, certainly there could be litigation and we're going to see what happens there. But you know what, what I say is if that's what they want to do, bring it on. Uh, we'll go through the process. I know I'm right. And we'll settle this thing out and, you know, it'll be interesting to see what it looks like if you had to get into some, uh, discovery and figure out how they're coming up with their processes. I have to tell you, I wish you were the, uh, I wish you were the treasurer in um, in Pennsylvania and in Texas. They have a lot to lose in their gas and oil industry, uh, and you are really leading the way. So good for you. Thank you for that. What, one other uh, question: Do you you have any comments about your senator's deal to reduce inflation at all that you'd care to share? Well, I did see that he's agreed to this uh, Democrat spending bill. And then I saw here recently inside that bill is a tax on coal. I got to tell you that that's disappointing. And all I need to know is when you have Al Gore come out and support it, I'm against it. Um, That guy (laughs) is environmental fraud who's been running around now selling these lies for years in Learjets flying around the globe. So yeah, it is disappointing. It's very disappointing. Um, and I just, I hate the trick that they always do. You know, the Patriot bill before it was called the Patriot act, uh, was called something else and it didn't pass and it didn't pass before nine 11. Then they changed the name and they wait for the, uh, they wait for the crisis. This one was the build back better bill. And they've changed it to the, uh, inflation reduction bill. Do you have any idea, um, uh, Riley, how spending seven hundred billion dollars would re- reduce inflama- uh, would reduce uh, inflation? Well, it's the same way, Glenn. Is that how are we going to boycott fossil fuel industries and reduce inflation? This all adds to inflation. Spending that money, raising taxes, this all contributes to inflation because. A Democrat has never seen a dollar that they don't want to spend. This isn't going to end up reducing the deficit or something like that. 
this is all going to programs, and a lot of it is green energy programs, which people need to remember, 3% of the world's power comes from wind and solar. So why is it 97% of the conversation? Like, why do we talk about this so much? It's just not real. Uh, Riley, thank you so much. Always good to talk to you. That's Riley Moore. He is the uh, treasurer of the great state of West Virginia. And uh, to all the other uh, uh, treasurers and um, other uh, attorney generals that are working hand in hand now to try to stop ESG, thank you. And we have you in our prayers. Na, 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 na.